AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. The grain markets are finding it difficult to build upside momentum with wheat prices sliding back to last fall's lows. But hey, there is important data coming to the grain markets on Thursday, and traders are positioning in what they think will be a safe place ahead of those reports. Live from a symposium on the theory of Brinesteinian general relativity via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, it's a conversation with Pro Farmers Captain of Cognition, Brian Grady. Right after the news, Varsity Joe Vaklovic from Standard Grain. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. All right, Davis, thank you very much. And yep. welcome, welcome. Glad that you are here. With us for today's second hour of AgriTalk, uh, looking forward to the conversation with Brian. You know, I, I talked with him the other night, and he—he's—I I feel like he's kind of hit the reset button on some of his thoughts for what's going on in the grain markets. Okay, and and I want to get to the bottom line there, and and talk about you know, let's get ready for Thursday's report. Go through some of the expectations there, and then of course what Brian is thinking as far as uh, uh, the urgency to lay off some risk ahead of those reports on Thursday. We've got a day to get that done, mm-hmm. and there's uh, there's still plenty of time to do it if you feel like it's necessary before we get to the data, so we'll cover that. Uh, as a matter of fact, in that time that is available to us to, uh, to lay off some risk, I'm going to be mm-hmm. – over in Norfolk, Nebraska. All at right. The yeah, at the Northeast Nebraska Farm and Equipment Show. Thanks to WJAG for making it possible. Go ahead. WJAG. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so I'll be over there. We'll be broadcasting live. We've got some great conversations set up. And uh, uh, looking forward to sharing some time with the producers over there in, in eastern and northeastern Nebraska tomorrow. Should be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Okay, man, are you ready? Should we go ahead and get started with the news? Yeah, let's do it. Wheat futures yeah. led the way to the downside in the grain markets, with March SRW futures falling to the lowest level since October 1. Traders are positioning for the winter wheat seedings report, which is expected to show seedings up at least 1 million acres from year ago. Slow export demand for U.S. wheat, today's strength in the U.S. dollar, and the availability of lower-cost wheat from the Black Sea region is making it difficult to generate any upside momentum outside the occasional upside price correction. March hard red winter wheat futures, 16 and 3 quarters cents lower today, 8, 11 and 3 quarters March soft red wheat down 10 and one half to 731. March spring wheat closed at 894 and one half. That's down seven and one half cents, Chip. Yeah, the winter wheat seedings report, um, it, it's kind of mentioned last among the quarterly grain stocks report, the annual production summary, the supply and demand or WASD updates, and then the winter wheat seedings report. But the average estimate for all winter wheat acres, 34.485 million. 
that would be up from last year's 33.271, so up about 1.2 million acres from a year ago. March corn futures posted an outside trading day with a low range open and a mid range close to keep the market locked in a sideways trading range. Slow demand for U.S. corn with prices here well above Brazilian and Ukrainian prices is limiting buying in U.S. corn futures. Rains are expected to bring some relief to Argentina, but not nearly enough to fix the drought in that country. Pro Farmer Crop Consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier dropped his Argentine corn crop estimate 1 million metric tons to 45 million. He also kept his Brazilian corn crop estimate steady with last week at 125 million metric tons. March corn futures two and one quarter cents higher at 6.55. May corn up a penny and a half to 6.54 and one half. July corn futures closed at 6.48, up three quarters of one cent. Yeah, I think the export demand is the big question ahead of the WASDE report on Thursday. The average trade guess for carryover, 1.314 billion bushels. That would be up almost 66.0 million bushels from USDA's estimate in December. Well, USDA this morning announced the sale of 174,000 metric tons of U.S. soybeans for delivery to Mexico in the current marketing year. That helped March bean prices recover from early session pressure. March bean futures posted a 26 and three-quarter cent trading range today, but opened and closed at mid-range. Pro-farmer con- crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier cut 2 million metric tons from his Argentine bean crop estimate, dropping the crop peg to 41 million. USDA will update its South American crop estimates in Thursday's global supply and demand report. Lower Malaysian palm oil prices pulled U.S. bean oil prices lower in today's trade. March beans three and one half cents lower, 14.85. May beans down four and one quarter, 14.89 and one quarter. July soybeans closed at 14.91 and one half, down four and one quarter cents. Yeah, lots of moving parts on the balance sheet for soybeans, but the bottom line is the average trade estimate on soybean carryover for 2022-23 is 236 million bushels. That would be up 16.16 million bushels from USDA's December estimate. March cotton was 146 points lower, 84.76. On the livestock side, February cattle were steady, 157.75. April fats down 12 and one half cents, 161.65. And March feeders up 20 cents to 186.50. And on the snout side, February lean hog futures a buck lower at 79.80. April hogs down $1.27 and one half cents to 89.52 and one half chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Joe Vaklovic, Standard Grain. How you doing, Joe? Hey, Chip. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. What's got your attention in the grain markets right now? Uh, today was kind of a head scratcher. Looked good for, for a minute there at midday mm-hmm. and then we kind of backed off. Um, I guess the markets ready for this report on Thursday. I mean, that's the next big thing. Um, I don't know what sort of adjustments USDA is going to make. I know that that corn export number has to come down. My, my guess is that they, they may be a little conservative. Um, maybe they want to see exactly how Argentina plays out. And more importantly, I mean, that second Brazilian corn crop hasn't even been planted yet. So, you know, if you were to wind up with a weather issue there, we, we could still end up with maybe a slightly better export program than what people are looking at. But, I mean, some downward demand. Uh, revisions on corn are probably warranted yeah when when we get to that uh bean uh carryover estimate 236 million bushels on the average trade guess there what's the reason for that uh, for that 16 million bushel increase 
Um, I've heard, I, I don't think it's going to be on crush. I think it would be on exports. If anything, yeah. um, I actually haven't looked at the, I actually haven't looked at the average trade yet. Um, that's still a tight carry on. I mean, even if it, it goes up a little bit, I mean, that's yeah. still historically pretty tight. It's still associated with a, a level of stocks to use, uh, the ratio that, that would be associated with these sort of prices. I mean, you know, 14, 15 bucks on the board, maybe even more than that, depending on the year. Um, things can change quickly though. I mean, if the Brazil crop is as big as advertised. Maybe Argentina is not as bad as advertised. You know, that thing could increase, but I, I have every reason to believe that the demand, is, is, at least on the crush side, is going to be there, if not getting better. All right. All right. Yeah, good stuff. So, um, you know, when, when it feels like we're almost ignoring what is not a terrible bean export uh, campaign at this point. It, it's really kind of surprising to me, but – here we are, you know, we're off and running on this thing. So we'll get uh, we'll get the data on, on Thursday and, and see how it all measures up. Joe, thanks, buddy. Appreciate you, man. Yep, you too, Bob. You bet. That is Joe Vaklovic, Standard Grain. Okay, coming up next here on Agritalk, we're going to have a conversation with Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. We'll kick it off with what's going on in the livestock markets. You know, can this hog market catch a bid? We'll find out from Brian next here on Agritalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Davis Michelson is here as well. Davis. <laughs> and joining us, today's guest analyst, Brian Grady, editor of Pro Farmer. Beach. welcome back, man. It's good to talk with you. Absolutely, Chip. Good to talk with you. All right. Um, hey, you know, I don't think we've done this on the air too much, but uh, Happy New Year. Thanks for everything you do for the morning show. That markets now is really important. Uh, they're at the bottom of the hour every morning, and uh, really appreciate you making time every day for that, man. Yeah, no worries. Love to do it. All right. All right. Let's start with what's going on in livestock trade. This hog market it, what is it? Eight out of the last nine days closed lower. Uh, the one higher close in there wasn't really too exciting. Uh, it it just feels really difficult to 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 find a reason to buy in that market right now. Yeah, absolutely. the uh, The cash index just continues to fall, and and it'll be down again tomorrow. Uh, and so 
uh, you know, until that finds a bottom, a seasonal low, uh, you're going to continue to see difficulties, uh, just finding buyers step up. Uh, now, you know, Monday's trade, we saw that there, there can be some corrections and, and some pretty sizable corrections. Uh, but boy, with today's trade, uh, you know, we reversed all that and, and then some, and, and, uh, I think that that's probably going to be the, uh, the course here short-term, like I said, until we find a low in the, uh, the cash index. Okay. Uh, the fundamentals of that market, they they don't feel like, well, doggone it, you know, when you look out at the summer contracts, maybe they do have it factored in, but it doesn't feel like an $80 market here for this for this time of the year. Spring market at $90, $95, that makes a little more sense to me. And then out to the summer contracts at 104 106 it's not as good as the one, 109 we had not that long ago, but are the tightening supplies already baked in? Well, I, I think the traders' attitudes are overly pessimistic at the moment, to be okay. honest with you. Uh, so I, I don't think that they're baked in. The, the trade may think they're baked in, um, but uh, I think eventually uh, we will take out. You know, we contracted the herd another 2%, so uh, yeah. we should take out last year's highs. Uh, now, even if you have some uh, some disappointments uh, along the way, we're still undervalued in those summer month contracts right now in particular. And, and so I do see upside. Um, but boy, it, it, like I said, it's, it's going to be a struggle here short term and, until that cash market uh, finds a bottom. Now, an interesting uh, note on the cash index last year at this point in time, it was already turning up and, and uh, made huge gains in, in January and February. Um, so we're still falling. It, it's going to cross over here pretty soon with year ago on the price there. Uh, yeah. So a little bit delay in the, the seasonal um, bottom, uh, not not too uh, atypical, I guess, that, you know, any given year, it can come anywhere from early winter to, to mid to late winter. So uh, we're still within that time frame, obviously. Well, the, the, the big question then for the year ahead is on the demand side, right? And, and not just the domestic demand side, but the export demand side and the export at the end of, of 2022, seem to be picking up some momentum. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, the latest data we have, trade data, is through November. But yeah. uh, November marked the fourth month in a row uh, where we saw year-over-year increases in, in uh, pork exports. And, and so, yeah. um, you know, that hadn't happened for a while. We'd been year-over-year declining and declining yeah. by quite a bit. And, and China was the primary reason there. Now, we've started to see China pick up. Uh, the export pace or its import pace of U.S. Uh, uh, pork. And uh, so I, I think as we move into 2023 here or through 2023, that uh, we should uh, see China continue to, to ramp up those pork imports. And, and uh, that should give us somewhat of a boost. Uh, but, you know, USDA still anticipates that uh, the exports will decline another nine tenths of a percent. Uh, now that yeah. number may get updated on Thursday, uh, but another nine tenths of a percent after it dropped uh, almost 10% in, in 2022, or we anticipate when the final numbers are in, it'll be a down about 10%. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, we just kind of laid out the, well, first, before I do this or do that, let's do this. It doesn't sound like you're too urgent to, to lay off risk in the hog market. Cash is the, the place to hold that risk? Yeah, I think so. Short term, we may see more pain. Uh, you know, if we violate the uh, the recent lows, the fall double bottom in the April contract, you're going to see heavier selling pressure there and and those types of things. Uh, but but like I said, it's attitudes are overly pessimistic, in my yeah. opinion, right now. Okay. All right. Now, 
Um, the structure of the lean hog market that we just laid out with the premium in the summer month contracts, we used to have a, a significant premium in the, the summer month contracts of live cattle, and that's kind of disappeared on us. What's going on there? Yeah, pretty flat market, to be honest with you. I, I think the uh, the outlook longer term is bullish for cattle as well as we tighten up the supplies there. Um, but, you know, we kind of hit a lull uh, through the holidays and, and just how the calendar fell. We're going to end up with three weeks or we ended up with three weeks of, of holiday shortened slaughter schedules. And, and uh, so it kind of uh, put the kibosh on the, the cash gains, so to speak. And, and uh, I, I think we'll as we go through early 2023 here, we'll restart that. The cash market will strengthen again. Um, you know, the February live cattle futures, they ended absolutely steady with where we were uh, last week in the cash market. So they have no premium built in to that front end of the market. Uh, they have no weather premium, no cash premium, no nothing. Uh, it's, it's just flat with the uh, with last week's cash. So um, I, I said they were overly pessimistic in hogs. They're, they're overly cautious, I think, in cattle. Okay. What's making the, the the trade so cautious? Is it the rising interest rates, the, 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 the stress on consumer budgets, stuff like that? Yeah. You know, though, when you look at retail prices, they're down year over year. Uh, domestic demand has been strong in the, in the face of all the recessionary concerns and things like that. And, and uh, there isn't really a, a close tie between those two, to be honest with you. Um, you know, the egg prices are, are record high or, or yeah. just recently were record high. And, and so uh, other proteins are going up. And, and uh, I think that beef demand is just fine. Um, you know, the question is going to be on the probably on the export side of things. Um, USDA projects it'll decline 13 uh, percent in this year um, because of, of reduced demand from Asia. And China is a big portion of that. They're going to be bringing in more pork, like I mentioned. Uh, so they'll import less beef. Yeah. You know, on the on the retail side of things, I think you're right. I think a consumer looks at the meat case and looks at a a 15 or a 16 dollar ribeye and a a $12, $13 T-bone and says, you know what? Okay, I'm okay with that. I know how to deal with it. But when they go out for a meal, the, it, it seems like the restaurant prices on steaks are going up. And because of the service side of things and the labor costs, I, I know that's what it is. But it fe- demand at the restaurant level feels a little vulnerable right now, Beach. Yeah, and and that's a big component for beef, uh, yeah. bigger so than what it is for pork. Obviously, uh, uh, not poultry, uh, chicken. Uh, you know, huge restaurant demand from yeah. the chicken side of things. So, uh, beef and poultry kind of compete against each other there on that front. Um, and then pork is is the by far the third uh, when it comes to restaurant demand and, and those types of things. Now, keep in mind, uh, chicken prices just you know, uh, chicken yeah. breast prices huge huge gains last year uh so they've, they've started to back down a little bit but uh boy that they, they kind of price themselves out of some of that market dude i stopped by one of my favorite wing places over the weekend <laughs> and when you see when you see 16 bucks for eight wings bone-in Oof. wings Oof. yeah dude i that that's exactly my attitude i ate the gizzards <laughs> <laughs> I'd order I a did. hamburger. 
I'd, I, I'd dude, order I'm a just, hamburger, man. I'm just cheap as heck when it comes to stuff like that. Now, the hamburger would have been a pretty good deal, too, I'll admit. And you know what? Was it a, the other really good deal on that menu that, that caught my attention was the pork tenderloin. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. You know, if. <laughs> I, we do those you, right here in the Midwest. Uh, you get outside the Midwest, and I'm I'm not so certain, but uh, we do them yeah. right here. Yeah. So some of these, the the spread between retail and restaurant is is getting wide enough on some of these meals. And and you know we saw the steak prices the other night at that place we were at, eh, kind of eye popping on on a couple of them that that uh, that were on the menu. So it just it, it 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 does have me concerned it, when we're when we've got the stress on disposable income because of some higher interest rates and everything it does leave me a little bit concerned real quick any urgency to do anything on live cattle laying off the risk there no you know what i really like the upside in the cattle okay. market uh, as long as demand holds up okay feeder cattle same thing yeah uh feeders uh, you know it's all in relation to what the price of corn is so yeah. um i you know i think that you know watch the feed costs there and that'll just okay. dictate what the uh, feeder cow price will be all right we're going to talk a little bit about the feed costs we're going to go over to the grain markets when we continue the conversation with today's guest analyst pro farmer editor brian grady right here on agritalk To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time now for news of note from ProFarmer. China's approach to stimulating domestic demand and improving foreign relations is currently focused on ties with Europe. India's wheat production is set to jump to a record after all-time high prices prompt farmers to expand planting areas. A new House rules package passed on Monday evening allows lawmakers to use spending bills to defund specific programs and makes it harder for lawmakers to raise the debt limit, among other items. The U.S. Supreme Court declined to consider a case that had the potential to roll back union access to federal courts for labor disputes involving railroads and airlines. And new bank lending in China unexpectedly rose in December. From the previous month, packer demand for cash cattle is expected to be greater this week as slaughter schedules return to normal. News of note is taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. Get more at TryProFarmer.com.
opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. And we are in the middle of a conversation with today's guest analyst, Brian Grady, editor at Pro Farmer. Before we get back to Brian, Davis, let's go ahead and yes. recap where the market's closed. Chip, March hard red winter wheat futures were 16 and three quarters cents lower at 8, 11 and three quarters. March SRW wheat down 10 and one half to 731. March corn futures were two and one quarter cents higher, 655. July corn futures closed at 648, up three quarters of one cent. March soybean futures were three and one half cents lower at 1485. July beans closed at 1491 and one half down four and one quarter cents. March cotton, 146 points lower, 84.76. Livestocks, February fat cattle, unchanged, 157.75. March feeders up 20 cents, 186.50. And February lean hog futures, $1 lower, 79.80. That's your quick market recap. Back to you. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Brian, we got uh, four. I, I think that the count is right at that. Four big reports coming from USDA. On Thursday, uh, winter wheat seedings report, quarterly grain stocks report, annual production summary, and then the regular monthly update to the supply and demand tables. Which ones got your attention the most? Well, it has to be grain stocks. I know. I know. I answer it that way every single time. Yeah. But uh, that you know, it's it's the number that the trade has missed, and in particular, uh, corn. And uh, you know, you look at those pre-report trade estimates. 1.2 billion bushels between the bottom end of the range and the top end of the range. That's like carryover, so, dude. Somebody's going to be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> like majorly surprised. 1.2 billion bushels of between could, the bottom end and the top end of the range on corn could stocks. They be, for, could they be more surprised than the average TCU fan? Uh, probably not. I don't know. We, we shall see, but uh, I hope it ain't a beat down like that in the marketplace. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um, and, of course, the, the the biggest question comes for corn uh, because of that feed and residual category, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and you you know, you look at some of the, the pre-report estimates, and, and they have such a wide range, it, it kind of – makes you wonder um you know now everything's gauged against the average estimate which is 1.15 billion bushels uh, but the average takes into account the extreme high and the extreme low within that range and and so um you know the the wider the range the less the odds of of us hitting the uh the average estimate and, yeah and so uh it's you know it's incredibly wide i believe this is the widest range ever um wow so wow Wow, wow, wow. So that, to me, indicates that there are some people that are thinking the crop wasn't as big as what it was, that as what USDA had, gave us back in November. Uh, and that those same people are probably thinking that export demand and feed and residual isn't quite as bad as what the trade has made it out to be. Yeah, now history says that there just won't be a, a big change on the crop size here right. in January. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, it's pretty much, uh, it's just fine tuning at this point in time, uh, with the number that they gave us in November. So, uh, I, I don't think that, you know, that, that isn't going to move now. It, it may shift later, uh, as we move through these quarterly grain stocks reports, uh, through the year, 
um, we get to September and there may be an adjustment and it, it could be sizable at that point in time, but that's not going to happen on Thursday. Um, so there will be some surprises on, on corn stocks, I think. Right. And then in the supply and demand report, we're going to be looking at the global production estimates, Brazilian corn, Argentine corn estimates. Uh, Dr. Cordonier has been whittling away at the Argentine crop estimates, but he still anticipates pretty doggone good crop out of Brazil at this point, doesn't he? Yeah, record crop potential. Uh, now, that means more on soybeans than it does on corn. And the reason for that is that, um, you know, we've been working with a record production number for for Brazilian uh, Brazilian soybeans uh, basically since uh, the beginning of the, the growing season. Yeah. Uh, the same has been the case with corn, but uh, three quarters of their crop is the safrina crop, which comes after uh, or planted after the uh, the soybean crop is harvested. So uh, there's still a lot of uncertainty in Brazil, but uh, as we sit here right now, uh, still record potential. So that's what the market has been uh, working with. Yeah. Um, corn demand. Holy smokes, dude. We're about half the pace we were a year ago. Uh, traditional buyers are, are here for U.S. corn, but we're missing some spice, I guess. And, and, and that being um, some Chinese corn demand in here. But even the traditional buyers, Mexico, Japan, Colombia, South Korea, it's been pretty slow going. Yeah. So building off your spice comment, uh, it's really bland, to be honest yeah. with you. And, and uh, you know, I have other adjectives, probably can't use them here. But, uh, um, I mean, it's just poor. Uh, exports yeah. are poor. Ethanol use has is, is, uh, been slumping. Um, you know, it was hurt in December because of some of the cold, but, uh, you know, the gasoline demand is down significantly, uh, which was also impacted by weather and, and those types of things. And and so when you look at those two components, uh, exports and, and ethanol use, and, you know, uh, it's it's just really um, kind of woeful tough. right now for the corn market. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Um, it, it's, uh, it is an issue. No question about it. Now, on soybeans, I, t I said this to Joe Vakovic. It's like bean export demand is getting no respect, even though it's not that bad. Right. Yeah, no, we're we're fine on, on soybean export demand. It's just that it's kind of pulling the whole load because corn is so poor and wheat's even worse. Um, so, you know, I mean, on those weekly reports, if, if you don't get a bullish number um, from the soybean side of things, you probably aren't going to get one. And uh you know, and it's just going to be a disappointment. So, and then in the fact that uh, Brazil's growing a record crop, like I mentioned, yeah. and our export window is starting to close and, and probably by early to mid February, uh, Brazilian soybeans will be at the ports and, and ready to move on to the world market. And, and so I think the market's kind of anticipating that we'll slow it down pretty significantly when we get to that time frame. Now we'll see. There have been, uh, factors in the past that that have adjusted that uh you know if they get late season rains and it's been rainy through central brazil it yeah. slowed down their harvest pace um but their harvest is let's be honest is just getting started i mean like yeah. just barely getting started so it's not time to be concerned yet but if that would happen to you know if those rains would continue for another month or something like that and, and keep the harvest pace slow then that pushes back the export window uh for brazilian supplies and, and keeps it open a little bit longer for u.s supplies then i i think that that would be at least short-term supportive those types of things okay okay 
what else are you seeing around the globe that's got your attention when you start thinking about past Thursday's reports and and trying to figure out what's going to happen in 23? What's got your attention? Well, uh, South American weather, I think that will transition pretty quickly if we don't have any surprises. And in all likelihood, there will be some surprises on Thursday. But um, so South American weather and how we finish there, uh, the U.S. growing season coming up very quickly here uh, for spring plantings. And, and so we'll move into that as we get into uh, the February time frame uh, and then March and, and those um, that that time frame, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one, I think that you, you just can't ignore it is the geopolitics and, and not only what's going on with Russia, Ukraine and the Black Sea Grain Initiative and all those types of things, but keep an eye on uh, China and, and uh, uh, Taiwan and, and what happens over there as well. Um, so there's a couple things uh, around the world that uh, um, geopolitically, I think that uh, bear uh, watching and, and yeah. From a market perspective right now, I'll be honest, uh, you know, the Russia-Ukraine situation is kind of back burner stuff um, because grain is flowing out of the Black Sea. Isn't that something? And and it's the the grain is flowing. And I I understand that. I believe it. Um, But the the. We're not focused on what might happen in the spring of 23 in Ukraine and. If acres were down from 21 to 22, they're going to be down again from 22 to 23, aren't they? Yeah, well, yes, because a large part of the, the country is occupied by Russian forces still. Um, so, you know, they won't be able to uh, plant those some of those acres and, and then they'll they'll have uh, um I don't know, issues with uh, getting seed and fertilizer and, and you know, inputs Fertil- in yeah. place and those types of things. Uh, I think some of this, honestly, Chip is muted by the fact that last year um, there was talk that they weren't going to plant anything. Yep. And you remember, I told you that I, I didn't know what the number would be, but it would be something above zero. And there were yep. literally people out there that believed it was going to be zero. And then it was way above zero because zero made no sense. Um, so I think it's, it's about somewhat 60% mu- of the crop. They got yeah. 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 And, and I think that that's somewhat muting the fact, but I think 23 will be a much bigger struggle than, than what 22 was uh, in Ukraine. Okay. Uh, Real quick, any need desire to lay off some risk in older new crop ahead of the reports tomorrow? Well, if you're sitting there right now and you have old crop or uh, new crop that, that you're thinking about pricing and it's giving you anxiety or it's making you nervous or you can't sleep at night, uh, it's time to make some sales. Yeah. Uh, if you are sitting there and you're pretty comfortable, uh, you can roll the dice. But, uh, you know, if any of the personal issues come into play, um, you they know, always do. Yeah. 650 old crop corn, uh, 590 new crop corn, 15, 1485 uh, old yeah. crop soybeans, uh, 1390 new crop soybeans. You know, make some sales if if nothing else. Uh, if you have any of those uh, anxiety or or yep. nervousness or any of that, absolutely, because there can there is profit to be made at those 2023 crop prices in most cases. In most cases, Beach, thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you again. I will, yeah, I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Excellent. Sounds good. That is Brian Grady, Pro Farmer Editor. Davis and I will be right back. 
From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. And welcome back to Agritalk, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in this afternoon. Your pal Davis Michelson here, Chip Flory, standing by. Yep. Uh, yep, just go ahead and shut that off. That'll be fine. Just Okay. Just cut the band <laughs> as abruptly as possible. That would be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, Pro Farm Raider to Brian Grady on talking about uh, a lot of things. Yeah. But I think it, at the forefront is probably uh, the reports coming out. Mm-hmm. Now we had uh, Scott E. Davis from Bullpen yep. Trading yesterday talking about that 1.2 billion bushel range in trade guesses on the corn stocks did i have that right it's it's 1.564 1.564 yes as though 1.2 billion wasn't a wide enough range right it's actually 1.564 um the 1.2 is the is kind of the carryover projection right yeah it's nuts yeah brian brought that up too um the biggest D1 corn stocks uh, guess range ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts, especially when you consider this. So earlier today, I saw a tweet from one Mr. Garrett Toy at Ag Trader Talk. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he says corn production range of estimates is the smallest since 2005, 0506, and 0607. He says, that's usually not great for the status quo, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is a very good point. So, you know, you know, I've been looking at the grain stocks expectations and that big wide number thinking, okay, well, there's got to be some, some thoughts in there that that 2000, and I just said it to Brian here just a little bit ago, that there's got to be some thoughts that the 2022 corn crop has been overestimated or underestimated or something in there. But then you go and you look at the the trade expectations for 2022 production. The guess range, the guess range is 13.849, so call it 13.85 billion bushels up to 14.005. Call it call it 14 billion. So 150 million bushels. 150 on on the the range for the the size of the 22 crop is the range. On the grain stocks, it's one point. It's ten times that size. 
So all of the uncertainty that's building this huge range on the grain stocks is coming from the demand side of the market. <laughs> this is, it's a wild number. It's a wild combination of numbers that, well, and that uh, got me yeah, scratching my head. That combination and slipping from the supply side over to the demand side, mm-hmm. we've hosted several thinkers who are eyeing that export forecast yeah uh, we heard it from joe we heard a little bit about it from brian as well we heard about it yesterday from scotty davis yeah that could be a shocker as well or yep. well and here's the thing um <laughs> of of all of the report run-ups that we have covered you and i together yeah you usually get somebody saying well, somebody's going to be surprised. <laughs> um, everybody's saying somebody's going to be surprised. Never truer words uh, were spoken. Yeah. Yeah. And they, it's like Brian explained. Uh, it's such a wide range that if if you do hit the average trade guess going into this report, which on grain stocks for corn is 11.153 billion bushels, if you do hit that number, it's completely by coincidence that that you hit it because the the range leading into it is so wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. A year ago, a year ago, the December one corn stocks number eleven point six four two. So the, we're we're down about on average on average down about a half a mil, half a billion bushels from where we were a year ago on corn supplies. That doesn't sound all that bearish to me. That's one of the reasons we're still at six and a half dollars on on old crop corn futures, Davis. Well, um, I keep looking for that reason, and that might be the simplest reason right there. Yeah. Well, let let's have some fun. Let's say let's say USDA is thinking, you know what? Let's just kind of leave everything about where it is until we get this South American crop zeroed in. Mm-hmm. What are the chances we get something like that? Well, now the the annual production summary, that's a survey. Mm-hmm. The quarterly grain stocks, that's a survey. So they'll give us the okay. numbers that that okay. come from the survey. But in the WASDI, mm-hmm. in the WASDI, uh, yeah, they, you know, Scott made the argument yesterday that they are going to go slow on the adjustments yeah. to the um, to the South American crop estimates. I'd like to see them move very quickly because it's important to the the, the acreage mix here in the U.S. And we just heard uh, Brian say that, yeah, we're probably not going to get as low as what Dr. Cordonier is estimating for his private uh, for his crop estimates. But there should be some down downside movement on those those estimates because of mm-hmm. of the crop problems that we've been facing, especially in Argentina. So I don't yeah. know, man. I well. I, I, I'm uh, I'm confused going into this one a little bit. And back to the demand side, you know, you look at here. Let me scroll up my screen a little bit. What do we got here? Six fifty-five March corn, fifteen ten January beans, seventy-five dollar crude oil, and that's on an up day. Um, yeah. Are we overvalued here? If if demand Boy, is is keeping a wet question. blanket on crude oil, who's to say export demand isn't going to be a blanket on corn and beans too? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, when you look at the stocks to use ratios, and I don't have the the numbers in front of me at this moment, so I'm not going to peel them off for you. 
But the stocks to use ratios on corn and soybeans are tight enough hmm? that we've got to do something to maintain a 1.25 billion bushel carry here in the, on corn in the U.S. to maintain 220 to 230 million bushels of soybean carryover. And then even on the wheat side of things, it's with as slow as the wheat demand has been, we're still looking at somewhere mm-hmm. around, you know, south of 600 million bushels of wheat carryover. So lots to be settled. Maybe the markets are holding up in, in here for a reason. Thanks for listening today. Tomorrow, I will be in Norfolk, Nebraska, northeast, the the Northeast Nebraska Farm and Equipment Show there in Norfolk. Come see us over there on AgriTalk.